sa Alabao. It's the What's It All About show with your host, Al Roberts. Let's get ready to rumble! How's everyone doing? Welcome to What's It All About MMA show with me, Al Roberts on jmaradio.co.uk um, If this is the first time you listen to the show, uh, you can also listen to the show on Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts, um, Google Podcasts, and also SoundCloud, I believe. Or Mix, sorry, MixCloud, not SoundCloud. <laughs> um, yeah, hope everyone's keeping okay. Um, big thanks to JMA Radio, as always. Big old shout-out to uh, Timmy's Bar and Kitchen for sponsoring the radio station. If you're in the Carlisle area in the UK, please go try some of their food. It is absolutely amazing. Yeah, um, hope everyone's doing all right this week. Also, if you're listening, uh, go follow me on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, but I don't use it anymore, to be honest. It's fucking pointless. Um, but yeah, I, I am very active on Instagram. You'll find out when the shows are getting played, what's coming up on the shows. So yeah, go give that a little follow. Um, I'm coming up to like 600 followers at the minute, so I'm trying to get to the benchmark of like a thousand by sort of the end of summer that's my aim so yeah get on board follow the page um yeah send me a message comment like the posts if you like them yeah so yeah this uh this week it's a simple one it's a simple couple of topics ufc 264 this weekend one of the biggest events of the year it's arguably one of the biggest headliners of the year, let's be honest. We're going to get right into that. There's so many topics to talk about just from that card. I'm also going to talk about, um, there's a lot of people seeing this last week. We've seen um, a situation with Joe Schilling where he, um, put it bluntly, knocked some guy out in a bar and got caught on camera. I'm going to talk about that, right or wrong, give my opinion and thoughts on that. And we're also going to talk about... Um, this week in MMA history, we are going to talk about UFC 86, Rampage Jackson versus Forrest Griffin. Uh, this took place back in July 5th, 2008. This is one of those, this is just one of those great fights that, yeah, I loved it. Two of my, two of my favorite fighters back in the day. Um, it was just, it's a really interesting fight. I, I really enjoyed it. It's a really, really good card as well. So we're going to talk about that and how that impacted myself as a fan and the sport. But yeah, um, let's just let's just fucking dive right into it. Let's get right into UFC 264, man. Um, what a card! It, it's it really is. Um, it really is a fucking prime card in every way. Uh, I don't even know where to start. So let's start at the headliner: Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, three. Uh, this is crazy. Um, I think it's a bit of a mad one. 
for me personally because after Poirier beat McGregor, he had a clear shot. For me personally, he had a clear shot at a title shot. Clear run right towards the title. There's no two ways about it for me. Um, you look at you look at Poirier, the work he's done at 55. Um, he's he's had what two losses at 55? I think he's 12 and two or 13 and two or something like that. Um, he got flash knocked out by uh, Michael Johnson, which is yeah, it, it is what it is. He, he got he got caught with a beautiful, I think it was an uppercut hook, and knocked down. Fair enough. But then his only other losses against the great Khabib. So, you know, Dustin Poirier, for my liking, um, depending on if he got if he gets through McGregor this weekend, I think he's champion by the end of the year. I do. I think there's uh I think there's two two names in the hat to take that belt off Oliveira. One's Dustin Poirier, the other one, Justin Gaethje. Um I think it's them two them two boys are the two to dethrone Oliveira. I just think stylistically they're they're both a horrible matchup for him. But yeah, it's it's the trilogy. Um, I think everyone everyone loves a trilogy fight, especially going into the third one one. It's pretty amazing to be honest. Um, in I don't know in my in my experience of watching trilogy fights, um, it tends to be whoever wins the second one takes the third off the top of my head. When I was thinking about this today, I was thinking about a handful of trilogy fights like the likes of. Um, Junior Dos Santos versus Cain Velasquez. Um, Chuck Liddell versus Randy Couture. These were the two that stuck in my mind for this. And, it, yeah, in my experience, it tends to be if you win the second, you win the third. Um, but don't get me wrong, I might be uh, I might be a little bit off with that one. But that's all right. I'll see it going. Yeah, I'll, I'll say it now. I think, I think Dustin beats him at the weekend. I watched a great breakdown video um you'll have to forgive me i can't i can't remember the source of it but it was a real great breakdown video of the first uh the second fight sorry and if you watch that i've watched that fight a good couple of times now and when you watch that first fight um the times where connor like landed landed well landed heavy on dustin was his feints now, if you watch the second round, those feints go out the window and he just starts trying to headhunt against Dustin. And Dustin has some of the best boxing in MMA. There's no two ways about it. Dustin Poirier's boxing is is pretty much second to none to a certain extent. Um, obviously, you don't get me wrong, you've got the likes of Max Holloway out there who is just fucking next level with his hands. But you've got to also think that Dustin Poirier lit up Max Holloway in their fight at lightweight. So... Let's let's be realistic about that. Um, I, I think personally, from a personal point of view, stylistically, uh, total personal opinion with this, but I think I think Dustin might be the best. Um, going off purest boxing in MMA, just MMA boxing. I think Dustin might be the best best there, best in that, definitely the best in that division at lightweight, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, I think. Um, but yeah, like Connor, Connor lit him up in that first round with a couple of good shots, and it was all set up by feints. But as soon as that second round came, Dustin was so evasive. You see, so many. Like you see Dustin, uh, sorry, you see Connor miss so many shots and get countered by Dustin. And then as soon as Dustin got him on that back against that fence and sort of even slightly hurt, he swarmed him like he's done with so many people. You look at how he swarmed Justin Gaethje, hit him with that beautiful little hook counter, and then just. 
went 100 mile an hour after him. Eddie Alvarez, another prime example. Um, even the likes of his early fights against uh, Yancy Medeiros, same again. Um, Diego Brandao, you know what I mean? These are all that style of Dustin Hurtier and he will swarm you, absolutely swarm you with combos. And he just doesn't seem to get tired either. I think the only time I've really seen his cardio get really beasted was against Khabib, which I don't I don't know anyone else who that doesn't happen to. But yeah, I think I think personally I think Poirier beats him again. Like obviously the big subject coming into this is the calf kicks. The calf kick is the new jab. Like this just small move, this small technique has just revolutionized stand up in MMA. It really has. Like you, you watch how many fights have been um, completely sent off course by someone landing those leg kicks. Those kicks to the calf are fucking no joke. Um, I've no, I've never had. A, I don't think I've ever had a calf kick done to me. But I've also watching all watching this technique get really utilized in MMA of late. I don't want to. Like it seems to shut down that entire bottom portion of the leg. Um, from what I've read into it and what I've seen, it tends to be severe nerve damage that compromises fighters. Um, one of the one of the worst ones I've seen was um, I believe Michael Chandler when he fought uh, Brent Primus in Bellator, and you seen Brent Primus landed a couple of calf kicks, and Chandler's whole leg just went on him, and he rolled his ankle, pretty much broke his ankle from what I could see. It was nasty as fuck, but we seen we seen it in that first Conor and Dustin fight where those. Once those calf kicks had started getting utilised, that shut Connor's footwork down. It completely shut him down and made him a pretty um, a vulnerable target, you might say. Going into this, though, that seems to be the topic, though, the calf kicks. I don't think that it was more than just the calf kicks in the first fight. You look at how Dustin started to get his rhythm, and he also started to get Connor's timing. Like he started countering Connor. Now Connor is one of the best counter knockout artists in MMA. No, no two ways about it. Um, and Dustin turned turned that on its head and started, you know, counter punching, uh, counter punching Connor. I think that I think that's uh, both their two first fights are two different fights in every way, shape, and form. Two, the the Dustin. Connor, yeah, I'll say it now. I think Dustin and Connor who fought in the first fight are two totally different fighters to the Dustin and Connor who fought in the second fight. And I think we may see an evolution of at least one of these two guys going into the trilogy. I just, I just think Dustin. You look at since their first fight. I think off the top of my head, um, I think I think Connor's six and three. And I think Dustin's, I think, 12 or 13 and 2 since their first fight. That that says something. Dustin has been active. He's been fighting nothing but killers right through lightweight. Um, you know, he, interim champion. Ran into Khabib like everyone did and got absolutely mauled. That, that is what it is. There's no two ways about it. But, um, yeah, I, I just can't. I don't know. I think it's always going to stay in my head, the fact that Connor. Don't get me wrong, Connor apparently for this fight has went completely silent. Not silent, but he's went off on his own. His family aren't around, he's, he's hiding away, going back to old school camp of, you know, back to the drawing board, segregated, putting in work. And I hope he has. But it's the age old thing. It'll always it'll always sit in my mind to do with Conor McGregor where 
is he going to get up and work his ass off, train, spar, and get punched and kicked and grappled when you've got all that, when you've got a couple hundred mil in the bank? Is it still going to be, is that fire there? I don't know. I have to, I have to doubt it. I have to. Um, like, I'm not, I've never shied away on this show that I'm, I don't like Conor McGregor, but fuck, I, I, I respect the fuck out of him as a fighter. The, the things he's done in his career, the empire he's built, the, yeah, the character he is, is, it's, yeah, you've got to, you've got to admire it. You really have. Um, it doesn't help though that I'm a massive Dustin Poirier fan. Dustin Poirier is one of my favourite fighters of all time. I've watched him since WEC. You know what I mean? It's a real strange one. Um, yeah, I just I just don't see Connor coming in and I just don't see him having anything for Dustin. Especially at 55. At 45, Connor could, you know... A breeze off Connor's left hand was knocking people out. Like that guy, that guy's left hand at featherweight was just terrifying. I don't think it transitions the same at lightweight. I really don't. I just, um, I think his opponents are bigger. I think he carries more weight. I think, I, I think he looks a lot. I actually think he looks slower at lightweight with the extra size on him. That's why I see it. But yeah. I think, I think, look, I think this is one of the most intriguing. It's probably the biggest fight of the year, to be honest. Pending, you know, I word it this way. I think if Dustin, if Dustin wins, it's the biggest fight of the year. If Connor wins, we're going to, I think Connor comes back at the end of the year and fights for the title. That will be the biggest fight of the year. But like I say, I just don't see Connor getting past Dustin. The other side to all this is Dustin's wrestling game. His takedown game and his submission game have all been proven they're fucking good. Um, you look at his um, sort of Darce and Anaconda chokes against the likes of Jonathan Brookins, Pablo Garza from back in the day. Um, the guy has a legit submission game. He really does. And he also has a very underrated wrestling game. The guy can grapple. He's not just a striker. Um, so, yeah. Me personally... I, if I had to throw it out there, if I had to throw it out there, I'd say that Dustin needs to go in there, faint with the calf kicks, let him let him think the calf kicks are coming, utilize the grappling, and yeah, I actually think I actually think this fight will go longer than two rounds. I think it will go in the third. It's the classic thing, though, isn't it? Connor has a round to get this done. History history depicts that Connor has a round to get this done. As soon as it goes past the first round, Dustin's chances quadruple, in my opinion. But we will see. We will see. It, I don't know. I, I've got to go with Dustin. I just think he's got more tools. I think he's 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 been way more active. I think. I also think the way he just dismantled Connor in that second fight in the second round was just a thing of beauty, and Connor's got to have that in his mind. Yeah, I just I just can't see it in any other way than um, Dustin coming in and just getting the job done. I've got to say it. Like I just think that. Um, yeah, I go with that. <laughs> I don't really like giving predictions a lot of the time, but this is one where I'm pretty stern on. I'm pretty um, confident in it. But yeah, um, moving on though, welterweight co-main. It's an absolute banger. Gilbert Burns, Stephen Thompson. 
Um, Stephen Thompson, I believe, is coming off a win against Vincente Luque, decision win, where he just pieced up Luque. And Luque is a fucking savage. Luque is tough as fuck. Gilbert Burns, obviously, coming off his disappointing loss to Cameron Usman, where Usman, Usman just broke him down. Um, it's this, this is one of those... Personally, I think Stephen Thompson's the hardest fighter well away for anyone. That evasive karate style is a fucking nightmare for people to deal with. Like, you look at some, some of the great strikers and great MMA fighters he's fought and have just had no answer for that all-over-the-place footwork, you know, sidekicks. It's a fucking nightmare for, when you see people trying to time his footwork and try and time his pay, um, trying to time his timing. It, it just people just don't deal well with it. Add on top of that some pretty lethal fucking kicks. It's 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 difficult, man. Um, the other side of this is, can Gilbert Burns get hold of Stephen Thompson and get him to the ground? Because it, it, it's no secret, man. Gilbert Burns' jiu-jitsu is fucking scary. That guy that guy gets you back and you're getting rear naked choked or armbarred. It's one or the other. Like I've seen him. I've seen him. Yeah destroy people on the ground. Gilbert Burns also has some fucking heavy shots as well. He's um he's got a really fucking vicious left hook and a really nasty overhand right. And he he seems to have his overhand right seems to be pretty fucking accurate as well. Um you know he, he real lit up he really lit up Cameron Usman in their first fight in their last fight sorry. Really lit him up in those first couple of minutes of the first round. Scary, like it was. It was very touch and go, in my opinion. Whether Usman made it out of those first couple of minutes, I don't think he's going to get the opportunity to really throw heavy right off the bat and land on Thompson without getting, without running into basically a buzzsaw of strikes. Um. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, I don't know who takes this. I really don't. I think um, the other big question is this, and Gilbert Burns talked about this in the last couple of weeks, which I find interesting is. Gilbert Burns wins, it's not a number one contender fight. If Thompson wins, it is. Um I sort of I sort of agree with that. Like Stephen Thompson is a contender at well away on any day, in my opinion. You know, he had two fights against uh, Tyron Woodley when Woodley was uh well away champ. Both really interesting fights. I enjoyed both of those fights. Um yeah, I Usman's slowly but surely demolishing that division, and I think wonder. I think Stephen Thompson's a hard challenge for for Usman or, or any other fighter. But don't get me wrong, Cameron Usman is a fucking destroyer of worlds. He really fucking is. Um, you look at the the beatings he put. You know, the fight with Col Colby Covington was amazing. Don't get me wrong, but you know, finished Colby Covington, finishes Gilbert Burns. And, uh, decisions, Jorge Masvidal then starches Jorge Masvidal, starches, there's no other word to describe that knockout, it was fucking brutal, um, so yeah, I, the other side is, yeah, I don't know, I, I, I've got it, I've, I think, I think Thompson picks, picks Gilbert Burns apart for the entirety of the fight, I really do, I can't see it going any other way, I just think he'll pick him apart. The other side of that, though, is Gilbert Burns gets Thompson down. It is going to be over. I don't. I just don't think. I just don't see Stephen Thompson with the legit jiu-jitsu defense to get Gilbert off him or defend the submissions. 
I just don't see it. I think Gilbert Burns gets him down. It's going to be a fucking bad night for Stephen Thompson. Very bad night. But stand up, hey, Gilbert Burns has power. He's got good kickboxing. It's just whether or not he's... Yeah. The other side of this is Gilbert Burns has been training with, I believe, Raymond Daniels, who is a fucking unbelievable good kickboxer. I watched it on the countdown show the other day. He's trained with him, and that is a game changer. Out of everyone to bring in in the world, Raymond Daniels is the one. That's the guy you want to bring in to work with you on fucking karate-style kickboxing. That is, yeah, that, that lad might be the pinnacle. I believe he fights in Bellator now. and He's He's got some fucking flashy knockouts. Like, that guy is skilled. So I think, yeah, if there's someone to bring in to, um, yeah, to highlight and copy Stephen Thompson, Raymond Daniels is the one, 100%. So yeah, the core man is a corker. I think if Thompson wins, does it catapult him into contention? Probably so. Depends on how he wins. The other side to that is that welterweight. I don't think the welterweight division is as open as people think. I think we need Usman versus Corbitton. Um Stephen Thompson. Maybe I don't know. I think I think I, I wouldn't be mad if Thompson fought Usman. At some point I'd be I'd be I'd, I'd love that, but I don't think anyone gets to jump the line before Colby Covington. I just don't. The guy's a, a, a dominant force, and he need. I think we want we need the rematch with him and Usman in that welterweight picture. After that, after that's done, everything's fair game. Luke versus Chiesa as well is a really interesting fight coming up. Really fucking interesting. Like them, both them boys are on a tear, an absolute tear. So yeah, I think a winner of that also goes up, but. I think we could quite easily, in a perfect world, winner of Luke Air and Chiesa fights the winner of Thompson and Burns. That's your number one contender. Winner of that then goes on to fight the winner of Colby and Usman. If, if it was only that simple, but that's how you've got to look at it. That's how you've got to look at it play out. It is what it is. Like, that is it. Full stop. But yeah, really interested though. I'm really, really, really interested in this fight to see how it plays out. I think it's such a clash of styles. There's an awesome poster doing the rounds of like an old school martial arts poster of karate versus jiu-jitsu. The whole poster's mint. I'll see if I can find it and put it up on my uh, Instagram this week. But it is, it is fucking awesome. I love it. Um, yeah, heavyweight though. We've got Taita Vasa Bam Bam against um, not everyone's favourite MMA fighter, Greg Hardy. I think this is an interesting fight. Taito Avasa, obviously, he was on the cusp of getting cut. And then they actually brought him back as a replacement last minute, I believe. Came in, got a win. I think he's on like a two-fight win streak now. Um, he's looked fucking rejuvenated. He's been training at AKA on and off, working on wrestling, which I think is what he needs. And he's fighting Greg Hardy, who is coming off a loss to... Oh, what's his name? Jesus, he just fought the other day. Um, it'll come back to me. It'll come back to me in a bit. Well, yeah, Greg Hardy's coming off a TKL loss. Type of Tavassa, two-fight win streak. Yeah, um, I'm rooting for Ty Tavassa. I think Ty Tavassa will fucking walk through Hardy and knock him out. I really do. Um, Tavassa is a fucking beast. Like, he's fucking tough as nails. Um, real tough as nails fighter. Um, big boy as well. So, yeah, we'll see. Also, Greg Hardy has the ground game of a fucking brick from what we've seen as well. So, Marcin Tabura, there we go. Marcin Tabura knocked out Craig Hardy in their last fight. 
well, TKO doom, I should say. Um, Irene Aldana versus Yana Kutsikaya. That's an interesting fight. Uh, Kutsikaya's seen, uh, last couple of fights I've watched her win has been less than impressive, but she got the win. A lot of cage control, a lot of cage clinch. Um, Irene Aldana is not going to play that shit. Like, Aldana's a bit of a savage. Like, she's a fucking, she's got nasty fucking striking. And I don't think she's going to play that game at all. And quite possibly fucking end Kunitskaya in that first couple of rounds, in my opinion. Aldana's a killer. No two ways about it, man. Um, but yeah, looking forward to that fight. I think that's an interesting fight as well. Sean O'Malley. This is a crazy one. Sean O'Malley was meant to be fighting uh, Louis Smoker. Louis Smoker's been a mainstay at like 35, 135 for a while. Got cut by the UFC. Came back. Been a bit win-loss. But has looked he's looked better. I think he, I think he's a handful at 135. Uh, former 125 fighter, I believe. Um, I think he's a handful. And then we've got um, he gets injured, pulls out the fight. This is the this is the thing about this. They are, I'll say it now. The UFC are protecting Sean O'Malley with their lives. Let me explain. Like you had Ricky Simone, you had Marab Delashin Villy, um, however you pronounce it, uh, they both put the name in the hat to fight him. We had um, Ray Borg, who's fighting outside the UFC now. He he put his name in the hat to fight him. Um, Ricky Simon got the shout and apparently couldn't make weight. Couldn't make 135. Bit of a shame. So then, next thing you know, you've got uh, Chris Montino, uh, a 9-4 prospect. Making his UFC debut. I believe he's 2-2 two two in his last four. Uh, I watched a couple of clips of him fighting the other day. It This... Ah, man. Look. I can't say it any nice way, but... This is a feeder fight, in my opinion. Like, don't get me wrong. I can think of nothing better than this... Um, Martino coming in and beating O'Malley. I can think of nothing better. I promise you. I think it would be a fucking amazing story. However. However. Um, I think this is such a, a brutal feeder fight for, uh, for O'Malley. I really do. I just think it's a complete feeder fight, man. Um, I, think there, I think there are names at 35 ranked opponents who would have easily jived in, dived in and took this fight. Hell, for that matter, Ricky Simon, can't make 135? All right, let's do a catchweight. Let's do 140. Let's get O'Malley fighting some legit fucking guys if he's as good as everyone makes out. It's a crazy one. Sean O'Malley's a huge star, man. He's a huge star, and I don't, I don't dislike him. Ugh, fuck it, I do dislike him. I think he's a knob, but he's a fucking good fighter. He's very technical, very flashy. You know, he, I don't like the guy as a person, but as a fighter, he's sick as fuck. Um, he looked absolutely amazing in his last fight against Thomas Almeida. He looked and Thomas Almeida, I'm not going to lie, is no joke. I think Thomas Almeida is a good fighter. I really do. He doesn't get um, half as much credit as he does, as he should, I should say. But this is such a protect protection fight. It's a feeder fight. Um, I just think it's a cop-out. Um, this main card could have made, been made so much better if they just whacked O'Malley on there against a, a legit fucking fighter. A legit UFC guy. So, yeah... Not the most impressed with that, I'm not going to lie, but we'll see how it goes. 
put it this way, like I'm I'm gonna put money on this card and I'm I'm, I'm gonna pick O'Malley. O'Malley might win me some decent money to be honest, but it is what it is as they say. Um yeah. So the prelims. I'm not gonna lie, this prelim card three of these four fights do nothing but excite the shit out of me. Um headlining the prelims we have got grizzled welterweight veteran Carlos Condit. If you don't get excited when you see Carlos Condit on a card, fuck off and watch tennis. Like, go watch something else because you are not watching the right sport. Carlos Condit is a savage. Um, he's also turned it turned it around in his last two fights, man. Like, two great decisions over um, Court McGee and Mac Brown, who are two tough as fuck veterans. Um, he's fighting uh, Max Payne Griffin, another chiseled veteran who comes to scrap this this is a scrappy fight man this is i'm hoping to god these boys just stand there and just go hell for fucking leather on each other this is this is good this is my pick for fight of the night 100 percent. i'm as excited about this as any other fight on the card love carlos condit I'm, I'm quite a fan of max griffin that guy brings it he does he comes in he fights can't knock him um i think this is a crazy fight um yeah, love Carlos Condit. The guy is blood, sweat and tears every fight. Like, gives it all. Um, obviously, he was on like a four fight, four or five fight losing streak. And he's turned around his last two fights and looked fucking good doing it. Um, loved his fight with Court McGee. Loved his fight with Matt Brown. Like, let's just bear one thing in mind. You look how Matt Brown just starched Diego Lima. Carlos Condit did... Ah, Carlos Condit pretty much, you cannot knock that guy out, man. There's actually, um, if you it's funny actually. There's a search if you search there's a clip of him fighting some army dude out in Afghanistan, and he tells the army dude, "Look, hit as hard as you want to get hit." And the guy tags Condit, and then Condit just fucking lights him up. I think he head kicks him and then knocks him out. Um, Condit's just tough, man. Like that guy will f- fucking fight anyone, any any time. Like great kickboxer, such a great technical kickboxer. Real pleasure to watch. Uh, Max Griffin brings it, man. Max Griffin's fought some damn good people in the UFC and had some fucking barn burners with them. Um, yeah, this is an exciting fight for me. I'm well excited for this. I'm hoping, I'm really hoping Carlos Condit puts it together and gets a win. Let's get a three-fight win streak going and, you know, go from there. Um, yeah, great. Um, another... Uh, another absolute banger of a fight. Nico Price, Michelle Pereira. This is a banger. This is a crazy fight as well. This is my other one that could go fight of the night as well. Um, we have got... Nico Price is just a, a fucking wild man. Every fight he's in is a fucking wild fight. The guy has no off switch. He just... Yeah, he's got some of the craziest finishes as well. Um, prime example is finisher of uh, Randy Brown, where he knocked Randy Brown off knocked Randy Brown out off his back with hammer fists. He then has that crazy up kick knockout of James Vick from his guard. Like the guy's got some fucking insane finishes from everywhere. He's he's I think he might have the most finishes off his back in MMA. Uh Michelle Pereira though is a fucking mentalist. The guy is Caparera style kickboxing of just like he will run around the ring, dive off the cage, Superman punch you, flying knee you do tornado 720 kicks at your backflip at you 
again, an absolute fucking wild man. This is one of those fights I have no fucking clue, like, how this goes. Like, it's fucking insane. It really is. It's fucking crazy. Um, yeah, so them two fights alone on the prelims are unreal. We're then treated to something else, though. Uh, Ryan Hall against Ilya Tokiria. Tokiria. 10-0 prospect against Ryan Hall, 8-1. Ryan Hall has been described as the most dodged man at Featherweight. Uh, rumor, rumor has it, whether it's true or not, that you've had the likes of like half that top 10 featherweight division turned down fights with Ryan Hall. Now, the reason is very simple. If Ryan Hall somersaults towards your legs and grabs one, you are, you're in Fuxville. The guy uses um, what they call the 50-50 guard in jiu-jitsu, uses a lot of 50-50 guard, uses a lot of crazy, like, Rolls into leg locks and stuff like that. Very Imanari roll style sort of stuff. I've called it Imanari roll and been corrected by a number of jiu true jiu-jitsu practitioners. Ryan Hall's a fucking unpredictable little bastard. He really is. Um, I've enjoyed watching all of his fights. I really have. The, it's a real weird one though, man. Like, yeah. Um, if he rolls on a leg and grabs it, he's going to heel hook you into oblivion. He's going to ruin your night pretty severely. It's an interesting one. I've been wanting to see Ryan Hall fight for quite some time. So, yeah, I'm curious. I really am. Very curious to see how that plays out. Uh, we've got Trevin Giles against... <laughs> this is a fucking handful. Dricos du Plessis. Um, I think he's coming off his debut in the UFC. He came from EFC, I believe. Trevin Giles has been knocking about for a little while. I think that'll be a pretty pretty competitive fight, to be honest. Um, early prelims, Jennifer Meyer versus Jessica Rye is a great fight. Absolutely great fight. Jennifer Meyer coming off a title shot. Jessica Rye coming off a loss against, um, I believe, Joanne Calderwood. So that's a good fight, man. Gets both girls back in, um, back in the winning column. Omari Akhmedov against Brad Tavares. Again, two veterans, two chiseled veterans. I like Brad Tavares. Um, and I like Akhmedov. Both guys, it's very, in my opinion, very much wrestler versus striker this fight. Really is. Brad Tavares has got really good kickboxing. Akhmedov, grinder. Absolute grinder of a wrestler. Um, short, stout guy for middleweight, but my God, man, he's a powerful little guy. Very powerful for middleweight. And then we've just got um, uh, ooh, Zumagulov versus Rivera and Hu versus Amedovsky. So, yeah, interesting, man. Very interesting card. Very interesting. Uh, so many fun fights. So many fun fights. Where the start is a different matter. Um, yeah, I think my takeaways from all this... It's a simple one, man. Um, I think Dustin. I think Dustin beat, beats Connor. I just don't think Connor's got the right amount of tools to really get the job done. Um, I think the calf kicks are the least of his problems. I think the counter boxing from Dustin's going to be there. I also think Dustin implicates a uh, wrestling heavy game from the first two rounds. Personally, I think this is even. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm not delusional that Connor might stash Dustin in that first round. That's the possibilities of every Conor McGregor fight. If he comes out and even 
wounds you in that first fucking couple of minutes, he's he's more than likely going to knock you the fuck out. I just don't think Dustin's stupid enough to let that happen. So, yeah, I'll say it now. I think Dustin beats McGregor in the trilogy fight. I think he does. All, like, I've looked at it from both sides. I'm genuinely trying not to be... I'm trying to be impartial with this because it is someone who I'm a massive fan of and someone who I'm a fan of in my own way, but not... <laughs> I don't. I just don't like him. So it is what it is, and I'm sorry for the McGregor fans out there who proper. It's a thing with Conor McGregor fans, though. You, you speak against Conor McGregor, and it's like you know, it's like having a load of fucking fanboys come after you. Like leave Conor alone, leave him alone. Like fuck off. Like he's not the coming of Christ. So yeah, get off your fucking eye horse. The Conor McGregor, not to go on a rant. Conor McGregor that was the double champ, the Conor McGregor that, you know, destroyed featherweight and then went and got the title at the lightweight. That's not the Conor McGregor that's around now. It's just not. You know what I mean? Civilization and comfort make weak men a lot of the time, as they say. So, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, moving on. I think Dustin takes Conor out by the third, if not before. Um, I think... I think Thompson, if he can keep the distance, keep Burns at bay, I think he picks him apart for three rounds. But if that goes to the ground, Burns fucking strangulates him. I think it's rear naked choke around back. It will be one of them two. I think Taito Avasa just runs through Greg Hardy. Um, I think Aldana pieces up Kunitskaya. And I think Sean O'Malley knocks out uh, Martino in the first round. Yeah. That's my main card predictions. The prelims are just anyone's fucking fights, man. Like, those are some real good fucking fights. Real good. Yeah, man. Yeah, can't wait. I, I really can't wait for it. Um, shout out to Christopher Doyle, who's bought uh, me and him are going to try and stay up and watch the whole fight. Whether or not that happens is a different matter. I believe he's got a bottle of proper 12, which I find ironic, but... <laughs> Yeah, either way. But yeah, I'm going to watch it even stay up on Saturday and try and watch it. Or I am going to watch it Sunday when I'm up and about and I can watch it in peace and not rush about. Either way, looking forward to it. So, um, situation that happened this last couple of weeks, well, this last week or so, it was a video that went viral of um, kickboxing, like, yeah, pretty superb kickboxer and MMA fighter Joe Schilling fucking sleeping some guy in a, in a bar um, seen a lot of people commenting on this, I've seen a lot of people give their take on it I don't mind giving my, my opinion on it, people are probably going to disagree with me but it is what it is seen a lot of people saying like you know you can't really be knocking people out in a bar when you're a fighter and all this and I, I totally agree with that I've seen a good quote of Baz Rutten the other day, uh, MMA legend, kickboxing legend. Uh, he said it best. If, you've, if you're fighting with civilians, they've got to throw the first punch. That That is the best... It's the best quote I've seen anyone give on this situation. However, um, it's one of them. It's quite a simple... The way I see it is this. It all comes down to what was said there's rumours and speculation that the guy was being offensive and racist towards one of the bus boys, one of the glass collectors. If that's true, then 
Yeah, no, God's will's been done with him, to be honest. He got what he deserved. The other side of this is this. Um, people go out and nights out and people go out and drink and, you know, you want to go out with your friends or go out with your, with your partner and have a nice night and all that. And we can all name a time where some someone little dick dickhead's been out full of drink and thought there were 10 men and started a fight with someone. And in my opinion, people like that, when they get comeuppance like what happened this week, it is what it is. Don't go around acting like a dickhead with people and expect no comeuppance. It just so happened that this guy ran into pretty much the worst person he could have ran into. Um, in the video itself, look, Joe Schilling moves the guy out of the way as he's walking past. I think the guy says something, Jocelyn turns around and Lado sort of like, you know, tries to faint at him, sort of give him a little um, faint towards him and Schilling just does not play that shit and then absolutely fucking sleeps him with like a three-shot combo. Um, and he starches him and then walks off. Um, the other side of this is, um, Joe Schilling received a message off a, off, a, off a lady saying that this guy had been abusive to her and... Um, committed domestic abuse on her and all this and she was chuffed to bits of finally had a bit of karma. There's a few um, screenshots and that been doing the rounds of people messaging him saying they knew who the guy was and he was a dick and all this. And you know, karma's a bastard. Eh? Karma will get you. For me, I I think it comes down to this, don't go around acting a dick with people on nights out and not expect to get fucking planted for it. That's how I see it. Like the other side to it that I see is if you're a pro fighter, your job's to knock people out. You can't be running around bars knocking people out. That's the other side to it. Is it? It's a proper 50-50. It really is. I think Baz Rutten had it hit bang on. If you're a pro fighter or trained in martial arts and, you know, some little dickhead like that gives you shit or starts on you, you've sort of got to, yeah, let them engage and then it's self-defense. Um, I don't know. It, it's a real tough one. Like I've, I've watched a lot of interviews. I like Joe Schilling. I've watched um, I've watched him on the likes of Joe Rogan. Follow him on social media. The guy's the guy's a, guy a bad motherfucker. That's the nicest way I can term it. The guy, he, someone like Joe Schilling, he's not a normal person like myself or you. He's just fucking not. Like this, this guy has been forged in fucking fighting and wars for years. He's a fucking savage of a human being. And, yeah, people just need to learn that you can't go around acting like a dickhead with people like that and expect nothing to happen. It's not how it works. It's it, That's as nice as I can say it. Like, personally, I just think that little prick got a bit of karma. Like, not the judging book by its cover, but judging from the clip, the guy looked like a fucking dick. You know what I mean? Look, it's a tough one. I think Baz Rutten had it bang on. I can't, I can't say anything more than on it than that. Then Baz Rutten said it right. Like, if if you're having an, having an engagement with a civilian and you're a pro fighter, you, you can't just wipe them out. Like they've got to, they've got to throw the first punch. I think that's absolutely bang on. Um, I'm not going to knock Joe Schilling though. Like I think, look, situation. It's all situational. We don't know what was said. We don't know. Yeah. Um, if someone got in my face and fainted at me the way he did, I'd, I think anyone would react in some way or another. It just so happens that Joe Schilling has absolute death in his hands. 
it's a tough one. It really is. Um, but I'm, I'm not mad at Joe Schilling for what he did. I'm really not. I know that's a bit controversial. I'll probably get a bit of flack for that. But I think you get what you deserve, man. Like, I've just seen it so many times where people get full of alcohol. And in the UK, it's a matter of people get coked up and drunk and then think they're absolute 10 men until they're put on their ass, basically. And I think every so often, a lot of men need that lesson. That they're not as they're not as hard as they think they are. They're not as tough as they think they are. I'll say it now. In my twenties, fuck me. In my twenties, I I needed a pacing. I really did, along with most of the young lads. I, I I know for a fact I've acted like a dickhead when I've been on nights out and been drunk. And I was right through my twenties. I, I was well overdue for a fucking hiding off someone. Luckily, I grew up and sort of realised that before it happened. But it was well overdue, and I think. You know, every so often someone gets a taste of that medicine and hopefully teaches them a lesson and changes them for the better. That's my take on it. Take it as you want. I'm not mad at Joe Schilling. I'm really not. I think I think Baz Rutten had it bang on, but I also think at the end of the day, don't go around acting like a dickhead and you won't get treated like one. That's my that's my fucking point of view on it. I don't think I can be any more. I can't be any more. Um, diplomatic than that really to be honest but yeah I just thought I'd give my take on it I think I think it's, I think it's fair dues on one hand to be honest but yeah maybe he didn't have to hit him three times that's my, that's that's the only thing I can say <laughs> so last segment of the show this week in MMA history uh today's event that I'm going to be talking about is UFC 86 Rampage Jackson versus Forrest Griffin July 5th 2008 uh, this was a huge fight for me, huge fight. Um, I was a big, I became a big fan of Jackson, big fan of Rampage Jackson, despite him knocking out one of my favourite fighters, Chuck Liddell, which broke my heart. But I was also a massive fan of Forrest Griffin, and still am. I'm still a big fan of both of these guys, to be honest. I, I thoroughly enjoy both of these fighters. Um, they've both got illustrious and, and fantastic careers. They really have. Um, this was a great event, man. Um, Forrest Griffin, I'll say it now, Forrest Griffin is the biggest overachiever in MMA in a lot of senses, and especially getting through this fight. Rampage Jackson at this point was an absolute destroyer. Um, he was terrifying. Um, you look at uh, just during his career, um, like during fighting in Pride, for example, etc., and you know, he'd had, he'd had his losses and all that, but at the same time, when he knocked someone out, my God, he knocked them the fuck out. Like, he's knockouts of the likes of Kevin Random, and he's um, he already finished Chuck Liddell in Pride by TKO. He's, um, his knockout of Ricardo Arona will forever be, maybe, the, it's up there with the best knockouts of all time. Probably the harshest knockouts of all time. That age-old... Um, yeah, that Hedro power bomb triangle defense, unreal. Like, oh, scary. Um, obviously, um, yeah, he beat our Ninja Hua by decision. Um, don't get me wrong, he had his losses to the likes of Vandalay, Shogun in Pride, but then he went on a real tear. Um, you know, knocked out and punched, punched and stomped his way to a victory against uh, Yokoi. Uh, Sun Dong Sik decision beat Matt Lindland by decision. Controversial from what I believe. 
Then he debuts in the UFC at UFC 67, destroys Marvin Eastman, then goes on to fight for the title, knocks out Chuck Liddell, decisions Dan Anderson at UFC 75, then in comes Forrest Griffin. Forrest Griffin at that time was on a killing, well, not a killing spree, was on a hell of a good spree and looked damn good doing it. The, yeah, it was a strange one with uh, Forrest Griffin, obviously, first one of the Ultimate Fighter. Um, comes into the UFC, beats someone called Ma- Bill Mahood, can't even remember that fight, by the way, um, knocks out Elvis Sinisek, loses a close decision to TYT, which put him on the radar, rematches Stefan Bonner, decision, then gets caught by Chief Keith Jardine, and TKO'd, um, real disappointing knockout, he then sort of reevaluates himself, becomes, he, all of a sudden he becomes quite a, quite a fucking handy kickboxer, despite being a brawler previous, um, beats Hector Ramirez, great display of leg kicks, then in comes Shogun Hua from Pride, Shogun Hua at this time was seen as the best 205er in the world, hands down. The guy was young, he was coming off, I think, one at least one Pride tournament win, was just head, head stomping and soccer kicking people into oblivion, looked amazing doing it, and was just terrifying. He was seen as this light heavyweight phenom coming from Japan that was just going to dismantle the UFC. And yeah, it, it was a fucking big possibility at that time, it really was. Um, and they threw him in there against Forrest Griffin. And I think, personally, I think they threw him in against Forrest thinking, you know, it's an easy step. Forrest Griffin had different plans there. Very different fucking plans. Um, Forrest Griffin proceeded to um, get a rear naked choke against Mauricio Oshikua in the third round. This then catapulted him into fighting Quinton Jackson for the title. Just incredible. Absolutely incredible performance. He was one of those, it was the peak of overachievement already. The fact that when they threw him against Tito Ortiz, everyone thought he was going to get absolutely annihilated in that fight, and he literally loses a very close split decision. Um, Then comes out, just takes out Shogun, which everyone, no one thought that was going to happen. So either way, these two guys then get pinned against each other as the coaches of the Ultimate Fighter Season 7. One of the, I'll I'll tell you now, one of the best seasons of the Ultimate Fighter they've ever done, by far. Like, I promise you, like, go watch season seven from first episode right through. Has a handful of great fighters on there. Uh, you have Matt Wright, uh, Matt Riddle, who's now in uh, the WWE, strangely enough. You have Matt Brown on there, CB Dolloway, um, Amir Sadala. There were some great names in that show. Absolutely amazing talent. Uh, Gerald Harris was on there. Um, yeah. Oh, who else was it? There's a couple of, um, oh, there's someone else. I can't remember his fucking name. Shame on me. Absolute shame on me. Tim Crider. Boom. Got it. Tim Crider's on there. Who's actually was uh, Dustin Poirier's, one of Dustin Poirier's first MMA coaches. So yeah, season seven of the Ultimate Fighter was amazing. A lot of back and forth with Jackson and Griffin. A couple of little tiffs. It was great. Absolutely great season. Like Thoroughly entertaining. And it all basically um, funneled down to this title fight at UFC 86. And it came down to Forrest Griffin beating Jackson uh, by decision. Um, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> a unanimous decision. And it was the leg kicks. Forrest Griffin just imp- implemented this great tactic of leg kicks. 
grappling, showed great grappling in that. Um, there's a bit where he almost gets Quinton Jackson in the standing guillotine, ends up uh, getting him down with it. Again, leg, more leg kicks, great fight. Um, Quinton Jackson landed some good shots on Forrest, couldn't put him away. It's just a great fucking, it's just one of those great underdog fights that everyone was happy to see Forrest Griffin get the belt. It was just a great moment in MMA, a great moment for Forrest Griffin, and a massive overachieving moment. Like, when I talk, call Forrest Griffin the biggest overachiever in MMA, that is no disrespect. I think it shows that he's fucking, I think it shows his grit, I think it shows his heart, and I think it shows his will to fucking win. And fight anyone as well. Um, yeah, it was a fucking great card, great fight. Uh, well worth a watch if, you, if you've got nothing to do this week. Go treat yourself to that. Um, after this fight, Forrest Griffin would go on to sadly lose the title um, to Rashad Evans at UFC 92. Uh, he'd lose by TKO in a fight in the second round, I believe, or third round. Um, after pretty much winning that fight for the first two rounds with his striking, he'd then go on to <coughs> excuse me, he'd then go on to lose the infamous Matrix-style knockout against Anderson Silva. He'd then bounce back and beat TOTs, Rich Franklin. Rematch Shogun Hua at UFC 134 in Brazil. Um, while his child was being born <laughs> during this fight, pretty much, he'd lose by KO. He'd then come back at UFC 148, rematch Tito Ortiz for the trilogy fight, and win a unanimous decision, and then retire from the sport. Um, yeah, can't, you can't knock Forrest Griffin's career. Absolutely brilliant career. Um, I think the biggest shame is we've never seen... We never got to see him fight more. I think it was the biggest shame in Forrest Griffin. Um, I think there was a lot of great fights out there for him. and But at the same time, um, I think he definitely chose the right time to retire. Um, at the time of his retirement, that was when there was an absolute flurry of new talent coming through at 205. And yeah, I think I think he to retire with the record he did and the way he did, I think was admirable. So yeah. Um, after Rampage would lose to Forrest and lose the title, he'd go on to KO Vandalay Silva, uh, beat Keith Jardine by decision, fight against, uh, he'd lose a decision to Rashad Evans for a number one contender shot. He'd then go on to fight Lyoto Machida, win by decision, beat Matt Hamill by decision. He'd then go on a three fight losing streak, which would see him leave the UFC. Bear in mind, when you hear the losing streak, he'd get submitted against John Jones. Uh, for the title at UFC 135, he lost a decision against Ryan Bader, in which where he was did really well in the first round, then spent the next two rounds getting wrestled. He ran into Glover Teixeira in his third loss, where it was just like it was literally Rampage had met his match with another guy with block hands, knockout power, and just built like a machine. Um, he'd then go over to Bellator. He'd uh, beat Joey Beltran. Uh, Christian Mpumbu by KO, he decision Mohamed Lawal. He then returned to the UFC for a one-off fight at UFC 186 against Fabio Maldonado and piece him up and beat him up and win a decision. He then go back to Bellator again and beat um, Satoshi Ishii. He then go and lose against Mohamed Lawal, uh, King Moore by decision. Then he'd lose a decision against Chael Sonnen, destroy Vandalay Silva in their third fight. And then the last time he fought was 2019 against Fedor, and he lost by TKO. So yeah, both both men went on to have 
great careers, illustrious careers. They really did. Um, and this is one of those fights that was just such a... It just described the peak of the 205 division at that point. You had Rampage Jackson, who was this absolute knockout artist through and through. Heavy hands, brutal boxing. Against Forrest Griffin, who was this tough-as-nails technical brawler with great jiu-jitsu. It was a great time and a great fight. I love it. I love this whole... The whole card was brilliant, looking back on it. You had uh, Patrick Cote beating Ricardo Almeida. Joe Stevenson beating Gleason Tebow. Josh Koscheck beating Chris Lydell. Tyson Griffin beating Marcus Aurelio. Uh, Gabriel Gonzaga beat Justin McCulley. Melvin Gallard, Dennis Seaver. Cole Miller, George Gogel. Uh, Justin Buckles, Corey Hill. Like, there was just some great names, great old-school fighters on there. It was a great card. Absolutely amazing. Genuinely amazing. So, yeah. If you have time this week, get yourself on Fight Pass. Go watch that card. It's a great card. It's a great, great fight. Um, yeah. And if you have time, definitely, what I'd do, watch the Ultimate Fighter Season 7. Watch the entire season. And then, after that, watch UFC 86. Go and enjoy yourselves, honestly. I'll put my name to it. It'll be a great watch for you. But, yeah. Um, that's the show for today, guys. Um, obviously, everyone's excited for this weekend's UFC. Hope you all enjoy the fights. Um, if you're brave enough to stay up for a minute, all UK, UK listeners, go for it. Um, whether I do or not, it's a different matter. I'm meant to be, but I, I think I'm going to probably watch it on the Sunday afternoon. And, yeah. Yeah, try and just watch it and enjoy it, not trying to stay awake at five in the morning. Um, yeah. Looking forward to it, though. I think it's one of the biggest events. I think it might be the biggest fight of the year on paper so far. Yeah, it's going to be a great card. A lot of interesting questions. Let's see where it goes, man. Um, yeah. If it's the first time you're listening, go to Instagram. Follow me on there. Um, if you missed the show, we air the show on Monday night at 11 p.m. UK time. And then you can catch a repeat of the show on Thursday at 1 p.m. in the afternoon and 11 p.m. at night, um, UK time, obviously. To my international listeners, check your local listings for times and you'll be able to find out what time you can listen to it at. If you missed the live shows, um, the debut shows, go to Spotify, iTunes, Pocket Casts. Um, you can listen to them all there, Google Podcasts, Mixcloud. All the shows are all over there. Please go have a listen to the old shows if you really want to. Um, yeah. Guys, have a great week. Have a great day. Have a great month, whatever you're doing with yourselves. Look after each other. Look after yourselves. Take care. See you next week.